Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Shredded Ed, Cardio Johnny, Paul C, Matt Mork Super Troll, and Brazil Hadley. The best infotainment show around where you'll hear us joke, banter, and debunk all the nutritional myths you've heard time and time again, helping you get fit, healthy, and shredded. Um, right, welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 18. I'm reliably informed. I hope so. Well, I, yeah, I yeah, informed you, so I hope so. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you're wrong, it's your fault because I normally get it wrong, but it'd be your fault now. You might have noticed I am maybe sounding a bit husky. Uh, I'm dying with man flu, as I explained to Alid before we started recording. I'm literally melting my faces. So you can vision all the snot coming up my nose. But if you want to, well, hopefully the people are watching um, won't be too offended by it. But obviously if they're listening, then shouldn't hope you notice too much other than my dulcet, sexy tones. So... Anyway, how are you, Ed? Um, how are you, mate? I am exhausted. I've been out of the house all day. Literally got in five minutes before recording. I've been at a um, local bodybuilding show, um, which Jordan Peters Competing? run. No, don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Not after last weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've been there all day with, uh, with a, few, a few mates, seen some, some old faces, some new faces. Um, I just enjoy going to them. Um, makes me feel small, so yeah, it's well. <laughs> I like going to them. Uh, but no, really good day. I'm absolutely exhausted now, though. So, yeah. It's a good job. I've got a super special guest on to uh, bring, bring up the caliber. I've got one one guy who's a man flu and someone who's tired. So, uh, Alid, Alid Zachary, how you doing, mate? Hey, guys. You yeah, well? You yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? All good. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, Obviously, fellow MNU buddy now as well. Yeah, MNU till we die, definitely. Yeah. Um, no, thanks, um, thanks for having me on, guys. Real, um, you know, privilege to be asked, to be honest. So um, I had listened to a couple of episodes back when we were coming back from uh, MNU conference. Um, big fan of the content and you know what you guys are doing here. So oh, yeah, shut. Shut <laughs> if we if we can uh, if we can add value to um, busting down those nutrition myths, then um, yeah, all for it. Well, after following you for for quite a while, mate, I know you're going to add a huge amount of value, and I'm not just saying that. Um, obviously, let, but on that, I suppose maybe let's talk a bit about. Can I ask how a really important industry? question first? Oh sure. Yeah. After last weekend on Sunday, were you feeling as rough as everybody else? <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. Um, obviously, as um, as our absent friend Matthew likes to say, uh, or was it you, Brett? I can't remember. Um, macros or calories don't count on M and U conferences. That was me. Yeah, especially fat loss ones. <laughs> <laughs> fat but, loss um, no. Um, Alcoholic beverages and then a, a two-hour drive home don't don't mix well. So yeah, yeah I'm just I, glad I had the um, no nonsense nutrition podcast to see me through. So oh, the plugs, the plugs. I actually it, lost honestly, weight over the it, weekend. I actually lost weight. I lost like it? four pounds. Uh, uh, yeah, point four of a kilo. Sick, so. I know. I know. <laughs> Didn't drink enough mate. apparently. <laughs> no, you drunk too much. It's diuretic. You know, it'd be what weight when it. <clears throat> to be fair, the amount of calories I consumed, I didn't put on any. So. Very too bad. We did go for burgers, all you can eat, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I was going to say it's annoying because I'm supposed to be bulking. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst, worst bulker ever. 
Oh dear. Anyway, yeah. So um, yeah. Let's 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 find out about the man that's added then. So let's find out about how you got in the industry and kind of what you're up to now. Yeah. So um, I've been probably I don't know. It's one of those things. I, I I've been actively involved in in kind of coaching since around 2014. Um, originally dabbled a bit with. Um, a friend of mine used to run a gym locally, like a strength and conditioning performance center. So used to do a bit of group coaching with him. Um, my background personally is I played semi-professional rugby. Um, so my avenue into kind of nutrition and training was always with a view to improving rugby performance. Um, so yeah, I used to do a bit, you know, try and help a bit with, with the group coaching down at the strength and conditioning facility. Unfortunately, he kind of, the facility failed um so that was the end of that road for me and then I, I started kind of venturing into um doing things online um um as it's a growing industry you know potential you know it's kind of world is your oyster cliche as that sounds so did a few qualifications i was on the one of the first intakes of the shredded by science academy um and obviously now doing Matt Nutrition Uni with you guys, um, but I've kind of been reading, learning about nutrition for ten years or longer. Um, probably similar sources to to who you guys uh, enjoy reading about, likes of your um, James Kriegers, your Alan Arrogans, uh, Lyle McDonald. These guys give out you know evidence based um, research backed advice and guidance, and it's all that's what got me into it. it was kind of the the myth busting side of nutrition um so much you know sound bitey stuff out there now in the media facebook twitter um and people just take it verbatim as in oh you know carbohydrates going to make you fat and then it's like chinese whispers it just you know yeah. it travels around the the office and the workplace and before you know it everybody's on um south beach diets or low carb diets or atkins diets or whatever the um kind of trendy diet of the day is so yeah that's that's what got me into it um so did some did some uh, qualifications and now uh, ended up partnering up with with my buddy dan mitchell at dan mitchell fitness um, and we both between us probably coach about 100 people um a mixture of uh, Dan now has his own facility down in Southampton, so he does a. Um, if you look, that's a plug for Dan, by the way. If you if you're looking for some in-person personal training, group personal training, he's got a lovely little facility down in Southampton. Um, but he also does some online coaching as well with me. Um, and I'll, we, have to, I'll have to look him up next time I'm down there, actually, because I, I go there reasonably frequently, probably at least once a year, maybe twice. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll look yeah. him up. Yeah. He's. Um, yeah, take you for a coffee, take you for a training session. Um, but yeah, Dan and I, between us, coach about 100 people, a uh, mixture of online and in person, and kind of DMF, as we call it, is, is growing, but we're probably looking to rebrand soon to re to represent it being more than just Dan and Dan Mitchell Fitness. Um, so yeah. watch, watch this space on that front. I do oh, quite like that, his, that like that? Um, oh, what's the name from HR? That he keeps posting. Sue, Sue, from, Sue from accounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like that. They're so funny. They are They're mentioning like the Chinese whispers things because that's exactly what it's like, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, um, what's the word? I was going to say uh, 
a stereotype. I wasn't what I was looking for. What am I looking for? Escapes me. Not enough glucose. Um, basically, uh, it almost becomes like, oh, parody. That's what I'm looking for. God, do you ever suffer from that lethologica? I get it all the time. Yeah. Honestly, where you just, you know, you know the word that you're thinking of? <laughs> I don't get it. It's brain um, fog. Anyway, you've got brain fog. Brain fog. Oh, gone keto. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, bulletproof uh, coffee. No, no I, I, mate, I, oh, I can't eat anything worse. If I'm honest. I love coffee, but sticking a shitload of coconut oil or butter in it is just. Oh. Anyway, yeah, no, it's like it's like it's just it's one of those like parodies. But I don't, sometimes it's not like his his thing about Sue from accounts. It's not really a parody because it's actually the stuff that happens constantly. Isn't it? She, it's weird. She she genuinely exists somewhere. Genuinely. <laughs> well, there must be a suit. If you are Sue from Accounts and you're listening, listen and stop talking. Stop telling people stuff unless we've said it. <laughs> oh, dear. Nah, cool, cool. Um, well, did we get a sneak preview on the rebrand? Then did we? Is that like is that like a exclusive? Yeah, we, we 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 don't know what kind of we haven't we haven't got a name yet, but we've um, yeah we it's uh, we're, we're hopefully gonna just offer the the online side of stuff as its own its own brand, um, and then Dan can can obviously use the existing brand to focus on on the personal training and, and the facility. So um, kind of makes sense, um, but for the you know nothing changes really. It's still the same service, same faces. So, um, yeah, we'll hopefully get that done either later this year or maybe in time for the January rush because everybody knows you, you need to get shredded in January. So It's the only yeah. time to get shredded. Well, if you don't get shredded in January, when else do you get shredded? Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I actually got uh, fat well, in January. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, I'll be honest, I normally look at getting fat in January, but and I try and shred for summer just for like some sort of holiday I'm having, and then I end up fat by the end of the two weeks about away. So I'll undo five months worth of progress in two weeks been away, but there we go. I like all you can eat buffets too much <laughs> and get my money's worth, but there we go. Um, cool. Right. So let's, let's get on to the, the, the topic of today. So um, just actually before I do, Alan, am I right you used to work on a farm? No, so I, I actually grew up on a farm. Born in a barn. Yeah. No. Um, grew up on a farm. I'm, I'm based up here in North Wales, so not far from Ed, Ed actually. Um, but in my kind of day job, I've also been known to um, inspect dairies in kind of industrial farming facilities. So I've got, a, which is pretty relevant to today's topic. So when people talk about um, some of the, the myths and misconceptions around vegan diets, then um, yeah, I've, I've got. A pretty decent inside knowledge on on how we do stuff agriculturally uh, here in the UK, at least. So, cool. That's, well, that's a really big thing, I think, with people's beliefs. Well, we can get into that. We can get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure that will properly be covered. So, yeah, what we want to talk about, um, and I suppose it's by no means coincidence, but exactly that. So, essentially, kind of going through. <sighs> The vegan and vegetarian diet and the myth of being it or the myth of it being more healthy than a meat eating or other type of diet. So um, I don't know if you want to maybe start with just for those people, because I guess most people should know. But I guess like we kind of talked before the call, um, which anyone wants to know, maybe take off air what we're talking about. But before the call, um, 
not everyone might know what a vegetarian or vegan diet is. So maybe we should start with just maybe just what is the difference or, or what is it, the premise of it? Do you want to kick us off, Ed, or shall I? You're the guest. You go first. Mm. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go straight in on, on, on vegan or veganism then. So to my understanding, that's, that's pretty much um, – and I've worked with a couple of vegan clients, believe um, on kind of the nutrition side. Uh, and my understanding is it's, it's essentially no products uh, of, of animal origin. So no meat, no eggs, no dairy. Um, and some people will extend that philosophy also to kind of their lifestyle um, or what we call, um, it's you know, not just food choices, but any animal exploitation, um, they will try and avoid it during their lifestyle, um, which is, you know, in modern living standards is, is probably quite an extreme way of living. Um, but yeah, their, their diet's pretty, pretty limited to obviously anything plant-based, um, beans, legumes. Um, but yeah, for, for my upbringing, that would, you know, severely limits your, your, your diet choices. Um, vegetarianism, um, we would, as you said, we were, we were chatting about it off air. Um, do you want to, do you want to do the differences there? I don't, cause there are a couple of different variants that I, I, I wasn't aware of either until I, I started looking into it. Yeah. So yeah. Don't ask me to name them all, but um, so you can have people who sort of don't particularly eat um, animal flesh, as in uh, like beef, pork, uh, chicken, turkey, those sorts of things, and they'll eat fish, they'll eat eggs, and that sort of stuff. Uh, you have people who won't eat fish, but then will eat eggs. And then you have kind of the more extreme, where they don't eat eggs, they don't eat. Uh, well anything dairy particularly and yeah so there's kind of I suppose like a, a sliding scale of where a lot of people sit so they might yeah. consume dairy but um, might not eat eggs and fish and meat and uh, yeah it can get very confusing and it's basically anything that some people don't like the kind of the flesh of animals and that's what I think most vegetarians are is the, the flesh of animals but and then others kind of go a bit more extreme which gets close to the kind of the whole veganism thing is um, people who don't like any kind of anything that comes from the uh kind of like animal environment or what not the best way of putting it but you know kind of um they won't have anything with yeah like cheese or milk because they don't particularly for whatever reason basically um and it could either sort of be because they don't well i think the reasons really are endless aren't they um of, of why people go down that route some might not like the taste some don't like the uh, the farming of it, some don't like mm. the uh, kind of the whole animal rights thing, and, and yeah. Uh, I, 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 I had an ex girlfriend that stopped eating meat because she ran over a cat. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a true story. Yeah. Although, my, she, although, although she would have bacon every now and then. Yeah, my housemate in, my housemate in university loved pigs, so she wouldn't eat bacon. Um, anything else was fair game, just, just no bacon, no. Bacon. no uh, animal products of pig origin so bacon and pork chops were and uh pork scratchings down the pub were off the menu <laughs> i know some people don't like eating things that are named after an animal so like they won't eat chicken because it's named after a chicken um but sausages and bacon are fine uh, <laughs> yeah so, uh, I, mean, a, we, I, I suppose we, we, we we touched on the ethics side of it there i mean the whole you know um you know, if, if you're an animal lover, I mean, it sounds uh, contradictory, but I'm an animal lover growing up in the countryside, growing up on a farm, but I'm kind of at peace with 
um, where my meat comes from, and maybe that's because I did grow up on a farm. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I yeah, when I, I was like fifteen, sixteen, I had a girlfriend who his her grandparents had a farm, and they kept pigs and then slaughtered them once they got to the kind of the age um, or the fatness or however it works. And the sausages from that pig were the best sausages I've ever tasted in my life um, because they'd kind of they'd been butchered straight from there. There was nothing added. There was nothing changed. There was uh, and that they were incredible. So. Um, and I knew I knew the pig and everything, and yeah, I'm pretty all right with it. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just personal preference, isn't it? And like, I mean, I, I've obviously not, I've never been to an abattoir. I've not grown up on a farm. I've not really had any direct exposure to obviously like the process of it all. But obviously, I, I you know I've got a good idea, seen it on TV, all that sort of stuff. It's just, but I, I'm at a lot. I think like I think the words you used at peace is probably good. I'm very much at peace with how how the world works and I guess it's just you know I, I see it as just part of um I see it as part of the how the world works really it's probably the, yeah. the only way to describe it and I mean, I mean don't get me wrong I think if I reared my own pig in my garden would I want to then kill it and eat it uh I'm not sure but you kind of detach yourself slightly anyway don't you so I mean it's yeah. like hard, you know, I detach myself from that that, that realism almost I have a good one with yeah. um one of my good friends he runs a couple of chicken farms and I actually went with him once when I was staying over and we went to the farms and now these, they were battery um, chickens so they were all in like sheds basically and the sheds were a little over the size of an AstroTurf pitch and there was about 50,000 chickens in each shed. Now walking into that for the first time ever it was a bit like wow this is eye-opening um, and knowing kind of the age that the chickens get to before they go off for... Um, to be processed um and like it was pretty eye-opening um and it did make me think but at the same time i don't particularly and he like he said to me he's like oh would you kill one of them and i was a bit like no that's a bit i, I, I couldn't do it basically uh, if i had to I, I would have had to but i didn't want to and he's like, oh so he kind of made a joke with me he's like oh so you'll eat it but you won't kill it and i was like that's a good point um i just don't think about where it's come from um yeah so i think that's kind of where I sort of stand as, yes, at peace, but I don't think about the whole process. I just consume, yeah. I suppose. So. Yeah, which is probably what a lot of people follow. I mean, if you're stranded on a desert island or you're on Bear Grylls, say, as an example, like, if that's the only thing you've got to eat, I imagine you'd probably be okay with, with killing it and eating it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I suppose yeah, moving, moving past the ethics side of it, I mean, and I haven't been in my career inspected these facilities that do slaughter animals it's it's there's so many misconceptions around that as well um i used to inspect a lamb abattoir and and they literally you know they're saying um like a lamb running to slaughter they literally come out the back of the wagon and they run into the killing line it's it's insane to see wow. but but they just they're oblivious to it they you know, yes, animals are kind of sentient beings and everything, but they, they are literally oblivious to what is about to go down. Um, and I think these clips we see being circulated online where, the, you know, obviously, like any industry, there's going to be good and bad uh, practices going on. Um, it's just, it's such an emotive topic. It's easy for the the very pro-veganism and, and, and 
animal kind of life to to find bad examples but you'll you'll struggle to see the good examples and mm. um having inspected you know a chicken abattoir a lamb abattoir when these animals are slaughtered it's done very humanely and very very quickly it is what i saw or what my experience of inspecting them anyway um on behalf of kind of the regulators so um yeah i, I mean that's sorry go on, mate. i was gonna say i think a lot of what is pushed around on the internet and what is used as propaganda um, is often from other countries. It's not particularly in Britain. There might be the odd bit, of course, um, but it's not from places which have regulations and rules and especially EU law as well and things like that. So you could go to America and you're going to find horrific conditions. You're going to find like horrible, horrible killing ways and stuff because whatever's cheapest, because that's what America's like. Whereas over here, it's going to be a very, very different story. And where your meat comes from, if it's British bread and, and all that, it's going to be such a different story compared to if you've got it anywhere else in the world. Absolutely. And, and yeah, coming back to what you're saying, standards. I mean, these facilities, I was one of probably five regulatory authorities that would, would inspect it. So you'd have us guys on the environment side, um, food standards authority, you'd have um, the supermarkets inspecting them, and the, the guy, and these were all unannounced. We never, you know, never go to these facilities announced. So, um, I think if you if you know the provenance of your meat, as in you know it's UK, um, UK based, and and you're willing to, I, I, my personal um, take is, you know, it's something we should pay a bit of a premium for. Then I think you can be kind of guaranteed that, that your animals haven't suffered for, for your benefit sort of thing. Yeah, and, and I guess that the end, the end point on all of that is that it's obviously completely down to personal preference and yeah. whether it's an ethical reason, whether it is because you just don't like the taste of meat. Like my sister's the same. She just doesn't really – I mean, she, she eats meat, but she doesn't eat a lot of it because she just doesn't really like the taste of it. Or, the, the, you know, she's kind of – not not phobia as such, but just some of the stuff she doesn't get on with. Like she certainly would never eat chicken off the bones as an example and stuff like that. So whatever your preference is, it is your preference. So, no chicken no chicken nandos for your sister then. No, well, she'd probably go for a butterfly chicken, I guess. But <laughs> if she was forced to you know, <laughs> I think just touching on the propaganda um, of things before, I think I did joke about it on a podcast a while ago. Um, but it's amazing what is actually put out there. So yes, okay, these gruesome videos, which are really hard watches if you can kind of get through them. But at the same time, they're putting information, like nutritional information out there, a bit like the what the health thing, um, where it was like, oh, red meat's going to give you cancer. It's like, hmm, maybe not. Um, and I was going to say, I've got, I've got a whole whole bit prepared for that. Have you? Uh, okay, so, so I'll not jump the gun. Touch on that later. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Um, okay. So I'll jump that and I'll say, uh, so there was a great one where um, they uh, you probably won't have this one down because this astonished me. So she said, uh, you shouldn't consume dairy products because it's high in calcium. So I was like, all right, why not? Because um, calcium is bad for you. It's bad for your bones. And I was like, wow. I, I literally had my... Um, well, I had my laptop with me, so I got the MNU stuff out uh, with the like references and everything. I says, right, there are the references that say calcium is good for your bones, like every TV advert ever. Um, and uh, I was like, right, now you go and find me a reference of why not. Oh, it was in a video. Right, okay. Maybe we should contact the makers of that video and ask them where that reference is. Um, it's just like, Jesus, some of the stuff that is in yeah. there. No. That, I've, heard the, I've, I've heard that one before, though, because... Yeah, because dairy is high in calcium, it leaches the calciums from your bone, bones. Like, 
I don't know, calcium osmosis or something like that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an insane claim, yeah. Surely, surely it could go the other way. Like calcium osmosis, you'd think, well, where it's more concentrated, it should go to the... So if you're eating loads of calcium... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, it just doesn't make yeah, yeah. any scientific any sense. sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I love it when you're, you're online having a discussion with somebody and you ask for kind of evidence and they give you a blog post or a video and you just think... Okay, cool. Yeah. Any watch this, watch this YouTube you watch this YouTube video, it'll yeah. explain everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess we've we've covered quite nicely why people might decide to go vegan or vegetarian. Um I guess like Alan, so just maybe just if just why why do you think vegan vegetarian diets are often seen as kind of more healthy then? So, you know, we kind of said about the calcium thing, but, you know, kind of generally, what, why, would, why would people want to go that, to that type of diet for health reasons? Yeah, I think, generally speaking, what, what, it, what it does, like any diet with rules, um, you know, be that low-carb, high-carb, low-fat, what ve or vegan or vegetarian diets tend to do is push people towards more fruit and veg consumption, um, which, as we know, you know, there was that research that came out recently showing that maybe five a day isn't enough um, in terms of health benefits. So if you're moving from what I'd term a typical Western diet, almost like a you know a beige beige food diet, then <laughs> then switching from from a beige food diet to a vegetarian diet is, is obviously going to increase. Um, health you know the healthfulness of your diet because you're going to be getting more fruit and veg and all the kind of minerals vitamins phytonutrients fiber everything all the good stuff that, that comes with that um and there's that research out there <clears throat> or if we look at the diets of those blue zone populations uh, across the world so those areas of the world which have the highest number of is it centenarians? So centen yeah, centenarians. Yeah, centenarians. I always struggle with that word. Um, <laughs> so basically, people who live live well into old age, then they do have predominantly plant based diets. But the key distinction is, plant based doesn't mean um, no products of, of animal origin. So yeah, yeah that's that, that's my take on why someone would move from from kind of status quo to vegan or, ve or vegetarianism yeah just on that just on on those blue zones thing because i guess I'm trying to think of life with what tribe it was but there's the, the basically eskimo tribe of some sort where they predominantly lived well they solely lived i think on basically whale blubber or, uh, yeah yeah and you think well they don't have a plant-based diet yet they are live a lot of those are living way into the hundreds again like you say so um don't, not that I disagree with anything you just said, because obviously I absolutely 100% agree, but it's just funny how you've kind of got this uh, anomaly almost in someone that just lives on literally high fat, um, moderate protein, almost no fruit and veg yet. They're yeah. still living. And I guess that just comes down to some of the other things and the other mechanisms for health around activity and and just, you know, not, not some of the unhelpful stuff that people do in, in modern Western world, as you say. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to touch on that later with the... Um because it's one of the claims that come, comes in What the Health, actually, that diet is responsible for 70% of all preventable diseases, which my everything I've learned in my research on, on kind of diet is, yes, it's important, but um, and Martin teaches the same on MNU, is that 
diet's probably a small part of the puzzle and it's things like your environment how much daily activity you do your your sense of worth um community staying active mm. um stress levels and- stress levels yeah pollution levels and and i suppose if you're an Eskimo, you know in an Eskimo tribe living in the arctic or antarctic um and your biggest concern is i don't know sorting food out for the day and and you know caring for your family and you're not stressed about some you know work and things like that and pressures of modern day living you know active all day yes a very limited diet but come it always comes back to that as i've heard you guys preach before the kind of 80 20 rule with you know a, a lot of minimally processed whole foods there so they're living off they're living off the land essentially there um even though it's not plant-based um but we there's there's also the there's also the complete opposite of uh, the eskimos as well in in the literature in that so the sumerians who live is it 80 80 or 90 percent off just like uh sweet potatoes or, or tube yeah. or kind of yeah. root veg um and and very little anything else very low fat so there's they can they're, they're kind of throwing the curveball the other way to all these guys who say oh it's it's carbs and insulin that make you fat and i think they have the lowest incidence of like coronary heart disease in the world ever studied and yet their diet is like 80 percent root veg or something ridiculous i think the biggest kind of yeah. overarching theme amongst all of those populations is there's a severe lack of obesity so you know the, those populations they aren't obese they're not massively overweight they're you know in relative shape and they're, they're just active and they don't overconsume on whatever food they are eating. Uh, I think that's yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. the secret. I think that I, the, the, the more I learn about nutrition, it almost always comes back to that. In that, like, one of the biggest things, and like Matt brought up on one of the earlier podcasts, and we've kind of used it a few times since, but the biggest thing you can do to improve your health for a lot of people, obviously that are overweight, is to just reduce your, your body weight. To the fact that I think we, I can remember us having a, conversation in in i can't remember what group it was now but about bmi and yeah. um online i can't remember it was a while ago a good good few months ago and um we were just talking about bmi being obviously like actually quite a good i mean i was massively anti-bmi like i used to go along with the ah oh, yes no good for athletes and you know there's some evidence or, or sorry there is some relevance to that being true i think that for athletes you, you kind of look at it a little bit different but i still think from a health perspective bmi is still really relevant for like most people um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, from, 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 I can remember you being quite pro the, the, the you know, the, the reason for BMI being for health. And I, like, I, I absolutely agree, even though I was massively anti it before. I think the more I've learned about it, I realise just, you know, BMI and just, just then, therefore, things like your, I mean, waist to hip ratio and all the other good stuff that we measure. Um, they, they, it's all really relevant to someone's health. And when you, when you get people that, I mean, a good example actually is, um, not a client, but someone that I, I work with who's been told by the doctor they've got six months to reduce their um, blood cholesterol levels, otherwise they're going to be putting on statins. And uh, keeps asking me, even today, about what are the low cholesterol things I can eat. And I keep trying to tell him, do you know what, the biggest thing you could probably do, and not saying go against your doctor necessarily, but the biggest thing you could probably do is to get your weight down. Not yeah. that he's, he's massively overweight, but he's just like an usual typical <clears throat> middle-aged guy, um, carrying a few extra pounds, um, if he got his weight down, I said I could. I would be absolutely sure your readings would be so much better. But so stop asking me about foods and what to eat. Think about calories. 
think about increasing your exercise and just just generally eat a bit better i'm sure that all you'll need to do and it's just absolutely, absolutely. Frustrating. i mean this is this is probably a, a complete tangent but there is that there's three examples of people um i think he's a professor professor of nutrition who went on the um so the, the twinkie diet and he, and he basically ate loads of junk food every day but calorie controlled and now obviously that's not as those guys here trying to say go out and eat junk food but what he showed what he showed with, with this example was that by being in a calorie deficit and losing weight even though a high percentage of his diet was absolute you know junk um his all his health markers improved because like you said he, he reduced his body weight into a more acceptable range so his triglycerides came down his his cholesterol levels improved and all because even though he was eating crap because he lost weight um and there was a more recent one too i recommend any any listeners check it you're out gonna, you're gonna say abs and ice cream yeah abs and ice yeah. cream yeah um i'm actually friends with him on facebook and I've, I've bent his ear a little bit about about the experiment and uh the last one was was it 100 days of ice cream he, yeah. eating 80 percent of his calories from ice cream per day and even then at that extreme end of the, and that included some days like alcohol as well um even that, that, that ex, extreme that end of the spectrum yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was my favorite bit well, i remember watching the um doc, documentary video he put in where he says I ain't giving up alcohol for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but even, yeah, even at that extreme end of the spectrum, like, you know, two pints of Ben and Jerry's per day for a hundred days straight and uh, all his health markers improved because he lost weight. It's just, just shows the power of, as Ed said, you know, quite how unhealthful being overweight or obese can be. Yeah. Yeah, no, true. I know it, it was a side point, but obviously I think it's a good point to have my home. I mean, like I said, just going back to the, the, the reason I suppose it came up is more around, I guess, the vegetarian stuff. And, you know, like you said, the, you, the, the fact that you're restricting or limiting certain foods pushes people towards more fruit and veg and obviously the stuff that we, we want, the good stuff we want them to eat. But also, I guess it also points them down to probably some sort of energy restriction um, or lack of energy availability. Because if you're removing quite a significant portion of food availability, i.e., meats you know dairy products and you know anything from animals what else do you eat yeah and obviously fruit and veg high volume low calorie density like you said it's, it's almost impossible to overeat if you're limited to to just stuff that grows on the ground <laughs> yeah I, I would say i would say you're probably more likely to be a vegetarian just because you can start going into things like cheeses and and getting some high calorie stuff from things like cheeses and some dairy stuff yeah. You'd be quite surprised. It's like anything when people re remove something, they decide to go gluten free or something like that. They'll lose weight initially, um, but then they find all the gluten free range. Um, they find that aisle in the supermarket. So and then they start putting on weight again because all that bread they removed in the past, they found the gluten free versions, which quite often are slightly higher in calories. Um, so they start uh, eating those and then they put the weight back on. Um, it's the same with veggies and vegans. So there's a vegan girl who works for me and uh she brings in some interesting things uh she has things called sauce rolls uh which is something she gets from holland and barrett and basically it looks like a sausage roll but they are something like crazy like 650 700 calories ago so wow. yeah so it's like surely more calories than an actual sausage roll 
Uh, yeah. She has like vegan bacon, vegan cheese, and all these things, and they are generally higher in calories than the the normal version. Um, yeah. So people can kind of it's like three times the price as well. So um, I was going to yeah. touch on that, Ed. I call them I call them beige vegans again, who who just like subsist off convenience foods. Yeah. yeah. It's like pot noodles are vegan. Like right. it's, yeah. it's all just chemically made. <laughs> yeah. Coke, you know, Coca Cola is vegan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Pot noodles were vegan. Yep. Although I don't know why I expected really, but well, yeah, <laughs> like what was it like chicken and mushroom ones like vegan? It's just, or it's just nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Um. Cool. Uh, I'm just trying to bring it back around on point because we, you know, this, uh, Alex, I think if you've obviously listened to a couple of episodes now, you realise we do like a side tangent. We tend to go off on stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's always the way with nutrition, though, isn't it? It just takes you down so many rabbit holes. Yeah. Massively. We should, never, we, we should never have a theme. Yeah. We should just start talking and see where it goes each week and then be like, okay, so the theme this week <laughs> is whatever we spoke about. <laughs> to, to be fair, to be fair, mate, this is how it started, isn't it? So Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, I mean, we talked about some of them just then, but have we got any kind of more common issues then that you see or, or know of when people do go vegan and vegetarian? So what are the main things you would say would be a problem with going vegan or vegetarian? I, I think for most people who are obviously interested in fitness, body composition or, or athletes is, is going to be protein intake. Um, it's very, not difficult, but you have to have a very structured and kind of considered diet, I think, to get sufficient protein intake. We all know, you know, everybody's kind of on the same page with the research and benefits of, of higher protein diets, even for, you know, even if you're just a recreational trainer, you know, kind of three times a week, mum of three who, who likes going to um, body pump, not to kind of cliche and stereotype too much but um yeah higher protein diets are probably beneficial for most people how high is always on that sliding scale um if you're lean and, and very active and engaging in resistance training and, and training for multiple hours per day you're probably going to need more protein if you train for three hours a week you, you're going to need less um cool one on that yeah that uh just about you saying that like a woman in one of my groups she put a Photo in of Mel Fudge, she does listen. Um, a photo of her nails, and she was like, My nails have never been so good since I increased my protein intake. And I'm pretty sure she doesn't go to any classes or anything like that. She just walks a dog. Um, yeah, so little like added benefit there. <laughs> yeah, nice nails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> extra collagen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's about, I think that's been my main experience with working with other vegetarian or vegan clients has been. Uh, inching the, the protein intake up um, and then there's also the, the side issues with kind of dietary insufficiencies so things like vitamin D um, a lot of dairy products um, and, and meats well dairy, dairy products in particular and, and kind of whole grains are fortified with vitamin D um, some some meats or fish in particular is, is, is a decent source of it vitamin D is strongly linked with performance in athletes as in being insufficient in, in vitamin d is going to be bad for exercise performance um I'm, I'm vitamin b12 as well um those tend to be the two b12 and vitamin d um that people to kind of struggle with so b, b12 is, is important for I, I guess know, multiple what, things i guess what someone could do is just supplement with them though, i guess 
But I suppose that's why we're pointing it out to say, well, actually, these are some of the problems and this is what you can do about it. So, because yeah. like you say, B12, especially bear in mind, it's um, uh, responsible for like, energy production and stuff, isn't it, B12? Um, yeah, energy, nervous system, red blood cell, your brain. <laughs> yeah, brain. Yeah. Um, so obviously, it's important that if you're deficient or su- suspect you're deficient, maybe it's worth just supplement with them. If you obviously are uh, adamant, you want to follow that type of diet. Yeah, definitely. The, I think the other one I didn't touch on there was omega three. Uh, most, I think most vegans, especially, would struggle with a decent omega three uh, intake. Uh, alpha lipoic acid or the little plant-based form of omega-3 has something stupid like only a 5 to 10% conversion rate um, into the kind of bioactive form in in humans. So all those people who kind of say avocados are a great source of omega-3, then well, they might be high in ALA, um, same for linseeds, but will you get a decent... um, dose of, of, of omega-3s from it probably not after it's been converted so i think you can now get I mean, guys correct me if i'm wrong i think you can now get kind of algae um based omega-3s so it kind of meets the the vegan criteria yeah um yeah i've seen that uh, what's it uh oh god that escapes me again more lethologica <laughs> Not, uh, yeah, carry on, don't worry. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll it'll it'll you on pop that. up, yeah, it'll pop up. It'll but pop that up seems there. to be, yeah, I think krill, bit, krill, yeah. Sorry, krill. Well, I, d- I don't know if krill is vegan because it's it's tiny little shrimp, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Um, but there is, an, there is an algae based one, they, they grow in tanks essentially. Um, very similar to how they make corn, um, but uh, yeah. Omega threes, the the benefits of those are kind of. If anyone's interested, go and, go and search out benefits of omega threes online, and you can read for weeks on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, there's probably a couple of scattergun things that you tend to probably as nutritious. Most of us, given the evidence, would just use um, for everybody. And obviously, yeah. vitamin D and omega threes are two of them, which you like. I, I tend to find certainly in the UK, it's just you wouldn't not use them for anyone because relatively cheap. Most people can't get. I mean, the only time omega threes maybe is if they do eat a lot of fish. But if yeah. you're not, most people would say just it's worth supplement with because, like you say, the the benefits are just. In fact, I, before I, I started MNU, I hadn't quite done enough research to know how much it affects almost everything. It's mad. Like they're literally wonder supplements. The both of those. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, we didn't we didn't talk about the protein actually. I don't know if we've had. Um, we know that it's difficult to get protein in for the reasons you said but specifically like if you're into muscle building why, why i guess a, a vegan vegetarian diet might be harder to build muscle so i suppose i'm hinting at leucine content yeah the, the old leucine threshold isn't it um yeah the <clears throat> i suppose most plant plant-based protein sources uh, are low in leucine um leucine is is important as it triggers the whole um muscle protein synthesis process uh via the um the what what mTOR mTOR, um, mTOR you're process too, you're getting you're getting too scientific now I know too scientific <laughs> essentially leucine leucine is important if you want to if you want to get jacked so um most plant-based sources are going to be low in leucine so if if your goal is muscle building and you're on a, a plant-based diet then you're going to have to push your protein serving per meal up to hit that threshold. Um, generally speaking, I think we 
in how many you've been taught, and it's consistent in a lot of the literature that you need kind of 0.3 to 0.4 grams per protein per kilo um, per meal, kind of per serving per meal, and probably somewhere between three and six servings per day is going to maximize your kind of spikes of muscle protein synthesis throughout the day. For plant-based proteins, I think you have to bump your protein servings up to more kind of 0.4, 0.5 grams per kilo um, to hit that leucine threshold. Yeah, and if you think about kind of how easy it is to hit it as being a meat eater, so something like 34.4 grams of leucine per meal is about 34 um 34 grams of protein for like an 80 kilo male, something like that, um, per yeah. meal. So that's what like a very big chicken, you know, good sized chicken breast, um, would kind of get you there. Um, now that in comparison to like a vegetarian source or a vegan source would be like a whole four tins of beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like two plates full of like very protein rich veggies, like deep leafy greens and things like that or beans and that sort of stuff you know you you're gonna have to eat a lot more volume to get that leucine to get that protein in compared to say a meat eater yeah i mean i guess there's some vegetarian sources which still have um a decent leucine content like corn as you mentioned is i think yeah micro microprotein so um which just just on that note, sorry mate, before you go on, I did have a tea last night in honour of the topic today. <laughs> um, if anyone's listening, the chicken corn fillets are awful. Don't ever have them. <laughs> They're absolutely terrible. So uh, yeah, I, I actually quite like the mince. It's like it goes uh, well yeah. in most. Um, I was I was going to say the same. The the mince is good in in chilies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but the like uh, and be fair, I probably could have cooked them better. But I'll be honest, I just stuck them in the air fryer for ease, just to heat them through, and. Uh, they're just dry and horrible, and I don't think I'll be having those again. Yeah, so yeah, corn, corn's a decent source for for vegans or vegetarians. It's a it's a com- complete protein source. Um, decent kind of, it's got all nine essential amino acids, a decent amount of leucine, uh, and a decent fiber source as well. So um, when we flipping it back a little bit, when we were talking about the whys, you know, why would you want to go vegan or vegetarian? Um, I actually do or have been chucking in the odd vegan or plant-based meal uh, to eat with the family more recently, either kind of tofu or corn or something like that, just to kind of more from the environmental side of things uh, because modern-day agriculture isn't isn't probably the best for, for the planet. Um, so, so yeah, corn corn seems to be pretty good. It's, it's cheap, convenient. Um, chili is good with it. Uh, made a couple of stir-fries with some baked tofu, which... I'd recommend, don't read the nutrition bit of it, but um, Thug Kitchen is has got some great recipes in it. Just ignore the kind of preface about why you'd want to eat in this manner because it's yeah. full of um, just propaganda, as Ed, Ed said before. <laughs> how, how do you get on yeah. with tofu? Because I always look at it and think it's feta cheese when it's in like salads and then I get really disappointed that it's not feta cheese um, and that's just kind of put me off tofu because um, it looks... Like feta cheese, but it's not. Yeah, you can get two different forms. You can get this the silken tofu, which is, um, as it sounds, is is quite soft. It's almost like um, a soft cheese, yeah, soft cheese consistency, like a quarky type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that doesn't go. In my experience, doesn't go well in anything. <laughs> Avoid. Yeah. Um, 
but then you can get the kind of more spongy, feta cheesy like appearance stuff. The uh, I think it's made by a company called Cauldron, um, and if you get that, marinate it overnight and then bake it. It's actually pretty reasonable. It tastes pretty good. Um, obviously, it just ta- it, it absorbs whatever flavour you're using it with. Uh, so if you make if you're making it for a stir fry, kind of marinate in some soy. Um, some kind of lime juice and, and spices, and, it, and it's it's good. Um, but you you have to um, squeeze the water out of it is the key. Make sure it's dry, uh, marinate it, and bake it is is my recommendation. So a bit of prep goes a long way with it. But yeah, it's pretty decent. Fair enough. Banging tips there for the listeners. Absolutely. So um, have we got any more common issues? So we've kind of, I suppose we touched on deficiencies um and potentially lack of protein i don't know if i can think of anything else yeah deficient deficiency is kind of the main thing protein is the big one for athletes or anyone interested in really in in kind of optimizing body composition um there are that said again um just my personal experience with it i ordered the bulk powders vegan blend um which is based on it's pea protein, rice protein, and a bit of quinoa or quinoa, as I like to call it, <laughs> um, protein-based powders. And it's pretty. It tastes okay. It's a bit nutty. Um, so if you get it in the chocolate flavour, it tastes a little bit. Well. Yeah, chocolate nut kind of flavour. It's still not as good as whey, in my opinion, in terms of palatability. But it's it's okay, and it's it's cheap. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I tried the one. I got the to the girl who works for me. I got her to increase the protein intake by having like a bit of a smoothie in the morning, and I'm sure she had the chocolate flavour, but yet tasted like banana, um, and it was green in colour, so it was a bit weird. But yeah, um, so, some warrior always gets banded around as a decent vegan blend. Yeah, I was yeah. mentioned that a few weeks ago, it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, so to bear bear in mind is you you need. I think some more do it and the, the bulk powders blend I've got to do it as well is they mix um, a legume sauce with kind of a, a non-legume source of protein. So you've got rice and pea, uh, rice and peas. Um, so you get that complete um, amino acid kind of breakdown for your, um, yeah, to hit leucine content again, but also to make it a complete protein source. Cool. Very smart. Um, it's, it's almost like they planned it. Uh, so we did, so, uh, actually we got a question off, um, Sophie Kelly. So she did ask, do you feel being vegetarian or vegan could impact your training or recovery of macro if macros, um, are equated? So Alad, I'll let you. I would say, I would say probably not. I would say if anything, it's probably going to increase performance because, Again, you know, we talk about beige beige food vegans. A lot of people live off beige food these days. It's it's convenience diet everywhere. Um, so if you're switching from that to a plant based diet, where you you're getting loads, you know, you you get a truckload of fiber, you get a truckload of vitamins and phytonutrients because of you, you've increased your fruit and veg, then that for me that should increase performance, provided you can, as she said, you can equate. Uh, protein intake um, seems to be the kicker. Yeah. So um, I actually know uh, I've got a friend who is a, a vegan-based bodybuilder, and and he looks incredible in fairness. But 
the caveat I always throw at him is his physique was kind of crafted when he was meat-based um, and he's kind of maintained it since he switched to plant-based. So whether you could develop that kind of physique being solely plant-based, I don't know. There are um, quite just a as a few. Uh, it's like a vegan bodybuilder on Instagram. Like There's, there's loads of them if you search. Um, but there seems to be an increasing amount of them. And there are a few IFBB pros, I'm sure, as well, that are vegan. Um, none of them are like top 12, but um, yeah, there are, there are a few. So, But like you say... And obviously, when we start talking IFBB, there's there's other things added to the the diet yeah, there that we won't go into. But um, like you say, though, a lot of these things, like anything, when they turn keto all of a sudden overnight, it's like, yeah, but you made that physique when you weren't <laughs> doing this magic thing, which created your physique, which didn't. So yeah, yeah. I think I think as like my opinion would actually be exactly the same. I think. If, I mean, it depends where you come from. If you're, if you're saying actually, you know, I generally follow a pretty good diet regardless, and I've just decided to cut out um, meat and dairy, I think you probably could impact it. But I don't, I don't think, as in terms of obviously, you know, things like recovery are going to be affected by the level of protein. If you then match protein, like you said, with macros, then I think it's probably going to be around are you getting the right leucine um, uh, consumption? So obviously to the yeah. protein synthesis side, because obviously that's another thing that we've obviously already covered. Which could affect recovery and therefore obviously muscle building, etc. So I suppose, but, I suppose if on that front, if in doubt, leucine powder itself is pretty cheap. It yeah. tastes horrific, is is my one caveat. But you could chuck a scoop of leucine in, I don't know, some sugar-free squash, uh, and kind of nail that down before your your plant-based meal, and then you've hit leucine threshold, um, and the other proteins are going to kind of be there floating around to to um assist but uh yeah, yeah. So I, if, I, if you do go down the supplemental leucine front it tastes horrific i think emil was doing that um big emil goliath uh he turned yeah. vegan for a month and he's kind of keeping it up when it suits um and he was doing the same so he, with most meals he was smashing a bit of leucine with it as well um i but, think it's a good yeah. idea mm. yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's a good idea i think i mean i think that is pretty what would probably turn um something that could potentially hinder your progress or hinder your recovery or you know if, if we're talking recovery because someone's very keen on on maximizing their physique i think that's a nice easy solution to get around it as long as obviously you are then kind of matching the rest of your macronutrients and stuff yeah absolutely um key key being though as well if you're going to go down the kind of amino acid or supplemental amino acid route make sure they're vegan uh, because uh, it's another kind of hand grenade propaganda or propaganda thing that the um, militant vegans like to throw around is um, a lot of branch chain amino acid supplements or isolated amino acids are made from kind of animal fur and things like that so um, you can now get fermented amino acids that are made from uh, yeah plant proteins essentially so cool do your Um, research basically always We've said that enough times on the podcast around like doing your own research on, on most stuff. Unless you're listening to our podcast and then you don't need to worry. But You know what the biggest yeah, thing we, is actually? The biggest thing that people potentially don't think about with vegetarians and vegans is a lot of wine and a lot of beer contain animal sources in some variant or another. So there's a lot that people can't actually drink, uh, which is not something that I would have thought of. Um, but yeah. No, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't um, know that. In the kind of the winemaking process... There's uh, 
fish bits in there. Um, and yeah. beer. Sulfides, uh, is it? Yeah. Sulfites as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of people are always coming to me, oh, what's vegan, what's vegetarian? So when I'm in the shop, I actually know now which beers are and uh, which wines are as well, um, which is obviously just me being amazing. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Best cheese shop owner ever. Yep, yep, yep. Alad, <laughs> <laughs> has there um has there ever been a case where you've advised someone to move away from a vegan or vegetarian diet? Uh, me personally, uh, no. Uh, I think it's it's like many things. It's such diet, such an emotive topic. Uh, it's such a personal decision as to what your ethics and reasons are for for eating the way you do. Um, I've encouraged people to to maybe, as as we discuss, as we've gone over there, is, is look at supplemental things that they need to add to it because I do think that to eat a nutritious vegan diet that's or vegetarian diet that's going to hit those tick those boxes, it's it's got to be quite considered, quite well planned, and I'm not sure with busy lifestyles etc. Whether many people have the, the the discipline or the time to to make it that well structured yeah. um so it's it's not i would never recommend you know someone move away from it unless it was quite blatantly affecting their health um but but there are instances where i've seen it a, a bit recently online where you know whilst doing research on these topics and people have said well actually i've moved away from a vegan diet and i feel 10 times better because i'm getting more xyz or more protein or more fat soluble vitamins because i'm you know I'm, I'm eating more animal fat based products so sure no that makes sense and um i mean yeah i mean I, i've not i've not actually worked funny enough i've never worked with any vegan or vegetarian people so i've not really had the opportunity to but i think i'd very much go down the same sort of lines and that obviously if it's a ethical or very personal reason then you know it's kind of like it's their choice and you're not going to then try and swim sw away from that but if it's any other reason where maybe they could maybe so they don't necessarily like the taste of some meats maybe you could try some other meats that might kind of then add to their diet and enhance it rather than anything but like i say it then comes down to that that question again is it is it a personal reason i suppose there was yeah. an education provider that on their vegetarian and vegan lectures they advised at the end that you should always have a sit down conversation with your client and try and persuade them, unless it's for like religious reasons, try and persuade them that they should be eating meat because of X, Y, and Z health benefits. Wow. Yeah, I think we could probably it, guess. It, we could probably guess it who some, it is. Was it, so was it some sort of like meat body type in diet? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> uh, but no, generally, that's what they said at the end of their lecture. Um, and I was like, hmm... Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it, like, like you, like you said, Brett. If it's if someone has chosen to go vegan because of the false assumption that it's by default healthier, then I would be encouraging them to move away from that. But if if they've gone vegan for their own personal and ethical or environmental reasons, then you know that that is their decision, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight with them on that front. No, so then about enhancing it to see what how you can then fit it in because it's the same for any any type, any client you ever work with, you know, if they've got strong views on stuff or or if there's kind of specific circumstances, you do what you can to improve that and enhance that around those circumstances. Obviously, that's what makes you a good practitioner, right? Yeah, most definitely. Um, it's the, the whole do no harm or kind of 
mantra of, of working, you know, meeting your client where they're at and, and yeah. working to working to improve it, not coming in with this is what the kind of in, in hyphens best diet is. This is how you should be eating. It's yeah. Uh, there is no, as we know, there is no best diet. It's it's it depends. My well, burgers and bars, I think, is the best diet, mate. <laughs> All burgers and bars with beer. You can get everything. Yeah, with bit. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the three Bs, yeah. The three Bs, yeah. Um, there could be cool. a fourth. Well, I'm, I'm conscious of time, so do we want to, like, I wanted to just touch on the What the Health documentary because, obviously, it's something that just gets thrown around everywhere now since it's been on, and I guess many of many of, of an office have had a debate around it, so it'd be interesting just to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, what the health, what the... I can't say it. Can I online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're fucking parental advisor. Yeah, yeah. Our default what setting the, is explicit. The, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's um, how this guy got funded for this bit of vegan propaganda. I have no idea. And I don't mean vegan as a put down there, but it's, oh God, it's it's shockingly bad. Um, for those of you who don't know him, the the the... The filmmaker is a self-confessed hypochondriac, so you've got a kind of bit of background as to um, as to the type of person we're dealing with here. Um, and he opens the film with a quote, uh, the the Hippocrates uh, quote, quote. The um, was was he um, was he a Greek philosopher? Yeah. Yeah. Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. Well, that quote was around before modern medicine was kind of invented. Before we had. You know, Louis Pasteur and the advent of of germs. We didn't, you know, when Hippocrates was around, we didn't even know about germs. So um, it's kind of it's already off on a, a shaky footing from yeah. from the off, to to be honest. Um, but the three things I wanted, I just the three things that that, that really boiled my blood with it were the um, when he's enlightening processed meat to, um, to to kind of basically smoking cigarettes. Uh, in terms of cancer risk and I suppose this is when we talk about statistics and we talk about lies damn lies and then statistics um, so I think the figure is that people probably saw this uh, plastered all over the media that processed meats can increase your colorectal cancer risk by 18 percent and in truth that was all based on epidemiological studies, so studies that looked at basically at correlations. So populations that ate lots of processed meats uh, had a you know 18% more chance of, of having colorectal cancer. So you think that's quite strong evidence. Avoid all bacon. Bacon is bad. But then when you look at the actual absolute risk of, of eating processed meats, it's something like it increases, I think, the, the absolute risk of, of getting... Uh, bowel cancer or colorectal cancer um, if you didn't eat processed meat it was 2.9 percent and then the the risk with those you know sausage bacon etc in your diet then increased to 3.4 percent so when you actually compare that that means that one more person in every 200 people gets cancer when they do eat processed meat so it's it's tiny the risk in terms of what it yeah, what it what it adds, but he yeah. he plays on that hugely. You know, calling bacon a type one car, carcinogen and things like that, and compare that to cigarettes, which are also a type one carcinogen. And is it cigarettes increase your risk of lung cancer by like two thousand yeah. percent or something yeah. like that? And that's yeah, not. So- 
that's not kind of uh, that's absolute risk as well. You know, it's it's huge in comparison. So whilst yeah, they're classed as a type one um, carcinogen on the strength of the evidence that it's kind of poisonous in the dose argument again. Like um, just because they are a, a group one carcinogen doesn't mean they have the same level of as risk associated with them as, as smoking, for instance. Plus, yeah. with smoking, um, it's more causation over correlation. Yeah, yeah I was I was going to point that out because obviously those those studies <coughs> done over obviously a number of decades, if I'm right, and they obviously didn't manage to uh, control all of the other variables. So obviously they're observational, already passed. You can't obviously go back and change stuff. What else were they doing? You know, like you can't, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so difficult to pick out red meat as being the sole contributor to that increase in risk because you just well, can't. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's processed meat. It's not just red meat. Sorry. So, yeah, so they three red meat in with it, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So they lump things, I said, what am I about? A steak, you know, a steak in with bacon and, um, or, um, you know, a pork chop in with sausages. And, and the difference is, it, it, uh, we all know the difference in terms of, you know, you've got higher salt content and there's other preservatives like nitrate. you know, nitrates that are thrown in with them to, to preserve them. So you can't throw red meat in with processed meat because the, um, the research on red meat is kind of, it's probably a bit like saturated fats. It's kind of probably health neutral in moderation, as in there's, there's little... Uh, little evidence it does cause issues but yeah the that opening gambit of of um processed meat is the same as smoking is just hilarious uh because it's massaging statistics to suit your agenda which which any of us can do really um yeah. um and we touched on it earlier the other aspect he pushes heavily is diet is responsible for 70 percent of preventable diseases and that's you know we, we we all know that's that's not the case it's it's much more diet is is a probably a key component of other lifestyle factors um and, and then just look at the the complete difference in different types of diets we see throughout those blue zone populations again highly recommend people go and go and look up how different those diets are and then finally for me the <clears throat> when he pushes the diabetes front so apparently uh, sugar and red meat cause diabetes. Uh, so you should avoid dairy because it's got high sugar content, um, you know, lactose, dairy sugar, um, and you should avoid red meat because it causes diabetes. Uh, anybody who knows anything about diabetes, uh, type 1 uh, is an autoimmune condition and can strike anyone at any time. There is, you can't eat yourself to type 1 diabetes. It's impossible. So you could get ill. Um, I have I actually have a friend I used to work with. He got um, what's the kind of glandular fever. He got glandular fever, and once he'd recovered from that, his um, system has, had attacked his pancreas and, and you know destroyed his beta cells, and so yeah. he got he got type one diabetes as a result. Um, but that could happen to anyone at any time. It's an it's an autoimmune condition, and type two diabetes. Yeah, or we call lifestyle diabetes the two biggest risk factors in developing that are obviously being overweight and being sedentary now you can still be overweight and sedentary eating a vegan diet so uh i know plenty yeah it's um those are the three i mean i we could do a whole pod just on what the health pretty much because it's 
the, the, the other topics he drifts off into, um, but it just it drives me insane uh, yeah. that something like that got such exposure on you know on, on a decent platform like Netflix. Yeah. For, for, to be honest, for that reason, mate, I never watched it. I've not even seen it for purely one for my own sanity, I think. But I just I didn't want to give it kind of any more yeah time downloads or whatever I just thought you know what there's an, there's enough like I say debate in the office around it where I just thought you know what it's just not worth even spending my time watching it because what really am I going to learn from it this you you would just end up I, I kid you not you'd end up just pausing every 30 seconds screaming at the television going yeah that's that's wrong <laughs> yeah for the yeah. same reason I didn't watch it the only thing I watched on it was uh, a doctor somebody or other um who like just ripped it apart with science um it was something quite a lot of people shared kind of industry people shared this uh, and he basically just played little it was about 15 minutes long the video was but he just paid played little clips and just like ruined it with science and ruined it not just with science with common sense and was just like okay well if that causes that how does this happen and things like that so um that's the only yeah. thing i watched on it and that was annoying enough watching that so yeah yeah right well let's let's not give that any more time so no. um we've we've got one more question i think from uh kieran edwards because he did ask which again i think is another on your group ed yes um is being vegan actually cheaper i suppose he means financially um often find to prop up prop up balances you need to be buying some more expensive items that way so he's basically talking balances. talking about what we've already said so things like uh increasing your protein ah, intake right. and sure. having to add all these extra things extra supplements yeah. in yeah yeah. Ooh, that's a good question, actually. I mean, being largely plant-based, I reckon you could live quite frugally on that, um, yeah. especially if you used or took advantage of things like, especially here in North Wales, and I bet Ed has the same, being uh, Cheshire-based, you know, local farmers' markets, although you probably pay a premium for it these days. Um, but no, if you've got local food cooperatives or farmers' markets or there's, hit, um, hit, hit the reduced aisles in Tesco, yeah. mate. That's what you've got to do. Well, we, we have here, this is how middle class my area is. Well, I don't know, middle class. We've got a horticultural college and you, they will deliver kind of uh, fruit and veg that they've been testing their students on, um, that they've grown at the college. So I reckon if, yeah, if you, you were big into searching out your, your fruit and veg bargains, you could live pretty cheaply on, on a vegan diet, but it yeah. would be... Yeah, you you would definitely end up spending more on I don't know your tofu, your probably your supplements. Um, that algae based omega three is not cheap, um, but I think it would probably balance out overall. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it's like probably like most diets. There's there's kind of ways and means of making because you know even the vegan thing. It's like take that away and people say no, eating healthy is expensive. It's like no, it doesn't have to be. Like there's certain things yeah. you can do to make it a lot cheaper, um, buying in bulk, you know, buying reduced items, all the things you kind of, I suppose, kind of alluded to or mentioned. But I mean, you, you, people say that and then they go spend eight quid on a McDonald's meal. It's like, well, yeah. you know, eat, eat, eating healthier doesn't have to be any any different than any other way of eating. You just, it's just your choice and how you do it. Grow well, your own on, well. a on a cocktail, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grow your own as well. Um, whilst we've been recording, Cocktails. I've been munching on some homemade apple sauce, uh, not just apple sauce, with other things. Uh, and the apple trees from my nan's apple, the apples from my nan's apple tree. Um, yeah, so grow your awesome. own stuff. Uh, yeah. Good effort. Right. Um, 
I think we're probably there or thereabouts now. I wanted to, because again, I'm conscious of time, but I wanted to get in some questions, some more fun questions for Alad. So, because we tend to ask all of our guests that we've had the same questions. Oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> quick, I'll, I'll quick fire him, so don't worry too much. But um, they are nutrition based, but they're not, if you know what I mean. So, what is your favorite flexible food? So, obviously, by flexible, we mean non whole food based stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna appeal to my fellow host here tonight. Um, probably protein bars. I've got a bit of a bit of a, a kind of a thing for them, just uh, convenience wise. And for me, you know, with the the modern day bars I've got on the market, some of them are a, you know are a real treat. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember when I first sampled protein bars, and they were horrific. Yeah. So um, when you've got the likes of, you know, grenade carb killers now or um, I tried the new PhD ones the other day and just insane. They just taste like a chocolate bar, but you're getting 20, 25 grams of protein out of them. So, so what's your number one? I'd still say of, at the minute my, my white chocolate cookie uh, carb killers. Yeah, I'm, oh, mocha, mate, mocha, white chocolate mocha. But those um, – those new PhD ones might might push them close just yeah. because you know, clocking in at under 200 calories and 20 grams of protein, the, um, that for me is just, if you can get a good deal on them, is a, is, is a real simple way. If someone's swapping a, a chocolate bar for a protein bar and they're upping their protein, uh, still kind of, I suppose, uh, satisfying that sweet tooth, but in a inverted commas healthy way, then... Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. I had the Jaffa Quake um, one for the first time yesterday, and I really yeah. like that. And I think that's gone to number one for me. Is it? Jaffa. I, I found Jaffa. it underwhelming. I found it. I wanted more zing. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I see that. Coffee. I see that. I it was after hockey, the, so I was starving. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, yeah. It's, it's the same with the mint one as well. I wanted more mint. I wanted more like freshness. Some people yeah, just want too much in life. You are yeah. one of those people. <laughs> Take it for what it is already. <laughs> no, they are, they are, as much as I did once put out an article on the carb killer being dead, it was tongue-in-cheek. I think it's still good. There's just so many better ones, like you say, PhD smart ones, and the new PhD diet way, even though I haven't had one, is supposed to be incredible. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still working just, my way through the old ones, and they're gross. The other thing I'd, I'd, I'd toss in there, kind of, and something I, I use a, a lot of is, um, is kind of skirt and quark, the kind of, low fat dairy yeah, is yeah. just brilliant because you can you know you can make a pasta a, lo, a kind of low calorie pasta sauce with it you can make it sweet i don't call have, them i don't call them flexible foods though mate because do you not they're, no? they're, they're healthy because ah okay okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right best burger joint you've ever visited oh wow this is this is an easy one um if you guys are, are into your traveling then get to ferg burger down in queenstown in new zealand it is incredible um right. we went we went on honeymoon um the wife and i and we probably ate there every day it's it's amazing um they just it's kind of no airs and graces but people queue for it um and they they're open from 6 a.m well no 8 a.m. till 6 a.m. every day. Um, and you ne- you go there, it's always busy. Um, but um, they did a, oh, what was it called? It's based on a Simpsons character. And it was kind of like a, a pork burger with, with crackling on it and applesauce. A bit like probably what Ed's just munched down on. But um, it was, yeah, 
cool. That's a different one. On burgers. I was hoping you weren't going to say five guys. <laughs> Brett, I had a so shocker yesterday. Yes. I had a shocker, Brett. So I was in Birmingham yesterday evening and um, we were looking for somewhere to eat. And the, where the car was parked, I didn't realise, but it was literally around the corner from Original Patty Man. Uh, Guess uh, where we went know. instead. Guess where we Five went guys. instead. Yeah, no, 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 no. Hey. It's the Gourmet Burger Kitchen. So, uh, slight, yeah, not great. But the, the burger uh, I had, it was called Mr. Lava Lava. Uh, I really like the name, but the burger itself was actually quite nice. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've, I've let you down. I've let shame. the whole team down. Shame. Yeah. For any um for any Manchester based guys out there, if you almost never, famous, almost famous, or their sister restaurant Salita, uh, both both really good. Yeah. Um, I went to Almost Famous when it first opened, and they had uh, I'm used to or used to watch a bit of the wrestling. They, they had a Hulk Hoagie burger uh, there that was, yeah, yeah, to almost, die fam- for. almost famous is good. I, I'm I'm a fan. Yeah. Cool. Right. Uh, best piece of advice you've ever been given. That doesn't have to be nutritional based, by the way. Wow. That's deep. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, let's have a think. Um, best piece of advice. Man, I'm struggling. Um, I'm going to, being as it's the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, I'm going to gonna kind of make it nutri- nutrition related. Okay. And we discussing about before is is just step no walk every day go for a walk um probably the most simple bit of health advice i've ever been given mm-hmm. um check it out if if or you guys maybe can link it in the comments or, or whatever for this there's um 15 minute video on youtube called 23 and a half hours uh, it's illustrated as well um and it talks about the benefits of walking um, and kind of the background as to where the 10,000 step rule came from and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I love going for a walk, try and make yeah. it part of the daily routine, get up and, and go out of bed or go at lunchtime and just, I kind of switch off. I don't listen to podcasts. I, don't do, I just go and I, it's almost like my meditation. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that, that's really cool, mate, actually. That's a, and make sure we link that. Cause I think that'd be a really good thing. Cause we, we've all gone on about so much about the benefits of walking. And like, I think actually even like without even seeing it, even knowing that title, probably just, you can, you can tell exactly how good it's going to be because it's, you know, it's, I, I had this argument with so many people about cardio as an example, about people saying smashing cardio say, well, what did you do for the other 23 hours? It's like, yeah. you probably just sit around because you're tired from cardio. It's like, okay, it might not be the most evidence-based response, but still, it's like, I, I think often for me, anecdotally, it's really true. So, yeah, like pushing that sort of stuff is ideal. What was the name of that thing called again? Uh, it's called tw- 23 and a half hours. Yeah, we'll get that in. Uh, right. It's, it's illustrated by a doctor and it's, it's brilliant. It's well worth a watch. Cool. Right. Uh, last question, but pay attention because it's the most important. Would you rather be attacked... <laughs> by one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. So just just take that in. And just picture it. Vi- vi- visual visualize it. You know, one giant duck-sized horse or a hundred horse-sized ducks. Just bear in mind again how you said that you know, the wrong way around. Horses. Then. Did I? A horse-sized, horse-sized duck. duck. Yeah, or a hundred duck-sized horses. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, okay. Well, Again, growing up on a farm, my mum's probably going to hate me for this, but I'd go with the hundred duck-sized horses because I could just 
yeah, I think you could probably swipe them away with a few, you know, big swipes of the boot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, mate. Like you've obviously been around enough horses by the sounds of it, but they're stocky and hard and you know, muscular. I think yeah. hundred, um, and you, you get tired pretty quick. Uh, but they're duck sized. You, you know, you can just literally, especially like plenty of uh, plenty of experience in the rugby field. You know, rocking and mauling. I just, you know, I'd be boot, get my boots on. Hitting them left, right, and centre, be fine. <laughs> cool, fair play, fair play. I think uh, I don't know what actually the most common answer is actually on that. So I think it is had. that. It's been a bit of a mix, but I think it is that. Yeah, because people can just, just kick said, them away. I, I said if a horse, like, a horse-sized duck would be terrifying. Yeah, well, I just said if you had like a loaf of bread and some peanut butter, you could probably chuck it and I'd choke on it or something. Imagine the quack on that. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if, if it was a goose, I'd be more scared because geese are vicious. Savage, yeah. Yeah, they are proper. So, yeah, okay. Cool. Well, um, thank you, mate. Really appreciate everything. I think there's some awesome content there and some really good stuff for people to take away. Um, That's been kind of my pleasure, guys. And really, really good fun. We'll definitely get you back on, um, especially when you've done this ebook. Yeah, that's kind of motivation for me to get it finished as well. So, yeah, talking about 23 and a half hours, benefits of, of need to walk in, yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's really cool. Cool. Right, well, um, let's sign off there then. Cause obviously Have you got any, anything you want to plug? Any socials sure. or yes. your group, anything like that? that lost um, well, obviously, yeah, I don't, don't want to kind of take away from what you guys do. No, but no, no, not at all. <laughs> Dan and I uh, run a free group on Facebook called Fat Loss Made Easy, and we give away kind of free helps, hints, and tips regarding fat loss in there. But pretty much, it's anything goes training and nutrition wise. So, pretty diverse population in there from kind of just people who want to get fit, powerlifters, a few bodybuilders, um, plenty of bants, plenty I'm of in there. What yeah, plen- plenty of Sue from accounts anecdotes. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, hit us up and, and get involved. Amazing. Cool. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, Ed. Well, thanks very much for coming on. It has, it's been a really good talk. Yeah, good chat. <laughs> right, we'll see you all, well, speak to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>